I am Robo Prime, leader of the Robobots. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Works Christian Church, right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. Here, I will discuss theology, doctrine, politics, social and cultural issues, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. But basically, I flip tables. Please remember to download each episode. That's very important. Download each episode. Hold on tight. It's going to be a bumpy ride. You're not a communist, are you? Because communists are stupid. You know what a world we live in. What a time we live in. Uh, I believe it was Louis Armstrong who sang that song, What a Wonderful World. Let me see if I can do a little Armstrong here. What a wonderful world. Okay, I don't know if that sounded good on your end, but it sounded fantastic on my end. But nonetheless, you know, the reality of it is we do have a wonderful world in so many ways. Phenomenal world. I've been so blessed by God to be able to travel to several countries. I'm not as well-traveled as as, uh, many, but I'm a little bit more traveled than some. Either way, I look at it as a great experience and a privilege and an honor and a blessing from heaven to be able to travel the world and meet different people, see different cultures, the beauty of this world. But where this world gets ugly, and we see a lot of ugly right now in our world, is when it comes, I hate to say it like this, ladies and gentlemen, because according to the Bible, being a human being, but especially a Christ-serving human being, but human being nonetheless, we have been given stewardship of this world. We are supposed to be stewarding it and basically bringing it back to the beauty of the garden, the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, that's where God placed man, and it was, among other things, it was man's home. It was perfect in the sense of everything that Adam was able to work worked for him to create something even more beautiful. And and what I mean by that is if he went and planted a seed, that seed grew, and it grew well, and it, it, it produced a, a harvest. You know, the water was clean, the water was clear, the air was clear. But Eden was also a place to come and meet with God. Now, when, when man sinned and God sent him out of the Garden of Eden, see, a lot of people, God is so mean. Actually, God did it out of great compassion because there was two trees in that uh, garden, the Garden of Eden. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he said, don't eat of it lest you die. The second one was the tree of life. And as they ate of the tree of life, it would give them sustained, prolonged uh, immortality, if you will, as long as they ate of that tree. So when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and death began to sit in, set in, and they did die that day, not a physical death, but there was certainly a death. God sent them out of the garden, not as a punishment per se, but so that they would not eat of the tree of life and live in that fallen state, okay? Um... And he put them outside of the Garden of Eden. I'm not saying God didn't meet with them on a certain level outside of the Garden, but certainly not in the same way that he was able to meet with them in the Garden. My point on all of that is we have been given dominion of the earth and we are to be, if you will, restructuring the earth back to its original design so that the entire globe looks like Eden because that really was the job of Adam. As Adam and Eve had children, they multiplied, they grew. They were supposed to um, take the um, 
expand the boundaries, if you will, of Eden until Eden uh, um, overtook the entire globe. So that means the entire globe filled with people still walking in righteousness before God. Uh, That little small plot of land called Eden was to expand until the whole globe was basically an Eden, a place where they could live in peace and harmony, uh, joy, love. Everything worked for them as they worked it. Everything worked for them. And mostly important, they could come and meet with God uh, unhindered, unashamed, okay? And that's our job. So when we when we look at the world today and we see the seven wonders of the world, or we just go see the greenery or the mountains, say in the Alps, my wife and I were able to go to the Italian Alps, most one of the most gorgeous places I've ever been on this planet. I mean, it's so absolutely beautiful. And and I was just awestruck. Now, I've never been to the Swiss Alps, but I know that they're just as beautiful. And what is it? The German Alps, I believe there is, or Austrian Alps. Nonetheless, that whole mountain range and that whole part of the world, absolutely flat gorgeous. Louis Armstrong was correct. What a wonderful world. The problem isn't with the mountains or the meadows or the streams or the little bunny rabbits jumping around in the fields. The problem is when we human beings stop doing what we're supposed to be doing, or we do it in a manner that's not God-honoring, okay? And my what I'm trying to lead up to is uh, my, my last podcast I did was Governor Ron DeSantis and the Evils of Communism. In Florida, Ron DeSantis is pushing to have the evils of communism taught in the public school system at every level, every grade. And I'm, I'm all for that. I'm 100% for that because communism is truly evil. It's wicked. And please, if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to that podcast. It's just going to be one behind this one. And I want to follow up because so many people are lifting up, commun- in our day and age, in the United States of America, are lifting up socialism, liberalism, communism as the way to go saying that this is like the best form of government, the best way of living, the best of everything. And history proves uh, proves differently that it's one of the most wicked systems ever to be devised by man. In other words, man, in this case, Marx, Karl Marx, has sorely failed in producing something that not only benefits mankind, but benefits the world in general, all right? And it's just sad to me that so many people are buying into an already provable failed system and think it's the best system. You know, it it just blows my mind. Um, It's like going over to the tire store, right? And they have stacks of tires and all kinds of tires that you can buy for your car, your truck, your RV, whatever. Let's say you go over to, to a stack of tires and let's say they're $50 a tire. Okay, so that's $200 a set. And you look at him and go, hey, these are really good tires. And the guy goes, wait a minute, I got some better tires for you. I got much better. Those are okay, but I got better tires for you. And he shows you tires with nails in them, screws in them, clearly holes. The tread is worn off. And he says, these are better tires. And they're they're a little bit more expensive, but they are so worth it. They're $75 a tire, but they're so worth it because they're better than those other tires. And then people... Can you imagine doing that? Could you imagine anybody paying more money for tires that already provable right there in front of your eyes uh, have 
holes in them, nails in them, screws in them, no tread, uh, um, worn out, weather cracked. And that's what we have when we have when we look at communism. And unfortunately, there's still so many people that try to just, you know, clean them up and put them back out there and make them marketable again when it's a failed system and it's failed over and over and over and over again. And not only has it failed in and of itself, but it is responsible. Communism is responsible for well over a hundred million deaths. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here on Table Flippers podcast. I'm going to say it again. Communism. And communism just barely is like a hundred years old. Okay, it's like 104 years old, I think it is, somewhere around there. But anyways, um, in about 100 years, okay, in about 100 years, since communism, the idea, not, not, not actually taking over a country, but the idea of communism is responsible for over 100 million deaths. 100 million deaths, ladies and gentlemen. Now, when you, when you say, okay, communism, let's say, is about 100 years old. That's a million deaths every year. A million deaths every year. That doesn't mean that every year there's absolutely, you know, just a straight million deaths. That's just on average. Some years there was a lot more, some years there were less. But even today, as I'm sitting here on March 15th, 2023, communism is still directly responsible for murder and death and and all kinds of tragedy um you i mean it's it's just horrible and and if you if you go no it's not no it's not yes it is just do a little research on north korea and see what's going on do a little research on china and really see what's going on i'm not talking about beijing their main their main cities or shanghai their main cities where they try to make it look a lot like new york or Los Angeles to try to fool the rest of the world. I'm talking about what really goes on at a street level, at a home level, at a neighborhood level in places such as China, places such as uh, Cuba, places such as Venezuela. Just do a little research on it and you'll find that even today, communism is still responsible, directly responsible for more misery than capitalism ever could create. And as a matter of fact, in the United States of America, capitalism is coming under greater assault. And what is funny is in our day and age today, 2023, all right, we have a lot of young people, especially that haven't even really had their real world experience outside of the home or off of the college campus. And they think they're the experts on everything. It's absolute absurdity. All right. But they're coming against capitalism like it's this great evil, but they're coming against capitalism, the very thing that gave them the economic power to be in that school, the economic power and wherewithal to be able to stand up and stand against the very thing that empowered them to begin with. They carry around their iPhones. Again, why? Capitalism. They eat food. They eat food every day. Why? Capitalism. They drive in cars. Oh, no, no. Maybe they don't have cars. Maybe they take the bus or the train. Well, that's fine. Capitalism. They have freedom due in part to capitalism. And they're bashing the very system that gave them all the freedoms and the joys that they have. It's mind-boggling to me. And then they want to have a system, communism, socialism, some other ism, that's so absolutely restrictive because they think they're so restricted now and communism's going to come and set them free. We have a little bunch of little babies. If you want a life, don't look to communism, Marxism, Leninism, socialism, liberalism, or any other ism. 
Why don't you make yourself marketable, get out there, work hard, and make a life for yourself? Because that's the way it's supposed to be done. And when people do that, we have a more free society. We have a more prosperous society. We have more healthy society. Why? Because people are not um, looking to somebody else to take care of them. They're working hard and making life work for them. And when you make life work for yourself, you make life work for other people. But when you rely on other people to give you a life that not only hurts you because it strips you of all ability to really do anything for yourself, but now you're taking resources from them that should never be taken from them in the manner that is being taken from them. It's, it's just a, it, it's such a convoluted system. Anyways, I want to get to a couple of articles real quick. They're not big articles. And the reason I keep presenting these articles to you is because when I've gone on my rants before in the past and I just tell you how I feel just from my own heart or or maybe some of the um, knowledge, understanding, things that I've studied, things that I know, you know, and I but I just say it from me, you know, there's this strange thing that's going on in the world today. Well, who are you? What kind of expertise do you have? Um... Ladies and gentlemen, when I was a little kid in school, I um, had a pretty good reading comprehension. When it came to grade time, remember those little things on the paper, the report cards? Almost always it was mentioned that I had a great reading comprehension. You know, I'm not, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the world, you know, especially when it comes to English as far as writing it. You know, where do you put all the punctuations? Where's all the pronouns? Where's the nouns? What's a verb? What's all? It's just like, that's all just like, just let me write it, okay? But when it comes to actually reading it, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm reading. I can understand pretty much what I'm reading. So when I read books and articles and things, even on a scientific level, I, I pretty much can understand, for the most part, what... The writers are trying to convey. This is one reason why I know that, and this I might be throwing a wrench into my own podcast here, but this is one reason why I know the climate change hoax is just that a hoax, because I've actually read at the scientific level some of the data about this supposed climate change. And the reality of it is, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me very closely. There are many, 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 many many scientists that go have gone on record saying that it's all a hoax. There is not climate change the way it's being pushed upon us by our politicians and our media and a select few so-called scientists. I saw a, a little meme recently that uh, when it comes to science, just find out who funded the research and then you'll really get an idea of the science behind it and what they're pushing from governmental levels, using the media, and even using a select few scientists who are willing to um, do these types of things, push this fraud, they're pushing it for more control. As a matter of fact, and you can do, go do some research on this, ladies and gentlemen, go do some research on this. Find out where all the communists went when communism supposedly fell apart in the 80s and find out where those communists and their ideologies are at today. I can tell you with all surety where at least two of the major strongholds of communism are still at, at, at large in our society, our culture, our world. And that's the 
climate movement. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's full of communism and communist ideology. The climate movement and unions. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, unions and the climate. Those are the two safe holds or safe grounds, safe houses for communists and communist ideology. And now that's even beginning to spill over into the LGBT and other ideas and ideology. They're using the communist playbook basically to push those ideologies. Anyways, let me get into this. I don't want to take off on that too much because what I just did is I just opened a can of worms for a lot of you because you've been buying into it and now your brain is swimming. You want to throw something at your phone or your computer. You want to turn me off, whatever. I'm just telling you the truth. What you do with it is up to you. But I I really hope that you go and research these things. I say these little, I give these little nuggets out, ladies and gentlemen. Here's, I'm going to give you a dirty little secret. Share something. I say these things sometimes like that just so you will go research it, that you'll put away the articles or the videos on the Kardashians or whatever the hot topic button topic is today, and you'll actually Google these things and do a little research. All right, so let me look at this. This is an article entitled The Dangers of Communism Today. And it was actually posted or published November 16th, 2017 in the Austrian in austriancenter.com. So if I'm looking at this correctly, this isn't even in the United States. This is from Austria. austriancenter.com, November 16th, 2017, The Dangers of Communism Today. And this is by a gentleman by the name of Matt Hodgba, uh, or Mate Hodgba is the way it, it is spelled. M-A-T-E, first name, H-A-J-B-A, second name, or last name. And he writes, Gray, drab, and unimaginative. A shabby concrete block of flats, unkept, cracked pavement, metal playgrounds with all colors chipped off. This is my early childhood memory of Hungary taking its first breath of fresh air after 40 years of suffocating communism. It was better in the fall as the cavalcade of hues in the fallen leaves covered the inhumane monstrosity of socialist planning. It gave some playful colors to the utter lack of any joie de vivre. (laughs) I had to look that up, ladies and gentlemen. It's French for joy of life or joy of living. So let me read that again with that. He said, uh, it gave some playful colors to the utter lack of any joy of living or joy of life. Fall is also the month this communism started to spew out the full force of its terrors. On November 7th, communism celebrated its 100th anniversary, but unfortunately it died in most places at a younger age. Fortunately, it died in most places at a younger age. Yet, did it really? So, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me just interject right here. November 7th, he says on November 7th, when was this? Uh, Yeah, and this was published November 16th, so right around the same time. So November 7th, he says, uh, in 2017, communism celebrated its 100th year anniversary. Okay, so that would take it back to uh, uh, 1917. All right, now, again, I'm not a huge expert on communism in that regard, uh, So, but we're, but I do know that it started to spring up at least around that time, whether his date is 100% correct or not, doesn't matter. 
That's not the point. The point is, in 2017 was, was approximately the 100-year anniversary of communism. And in many places, communism has died. Thank you, Jesus. But unfortunately, the mentality did not. Anyways, let's go on. Despite the wonders of our modern age, the relative peace, prosperity, and comforts of the U.S. and the EU, European Union, in 2017, the looming threat of communism has not vanished completely. According to a poll, now ladies and gentlemen, please pay attention to this. According to a poll conducted by the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, 44% of Americans' youth would prefer living under socialism, 7% under communism, and only 42% chose capitalism. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, does that show the failure of our educational system? That our educational system had led, has led 44% of our youth in America to want to live under socialism, an, another 7% under communism, and only 42% would choose capitalism? The very thing that they're enjoying at this moment? Unreal. <clears throat> Anyways, let me get back to this. Communism has always been marred by schism. Think of the Bolshevik-Menshevik split, the Stalinists versus Maoists. Today, the ideology has divorced from the practice True, a large portion of U.S. millennials want to live in a socialist country, yet the same poll points out that 66% of the people misidentified socialism and 69% communism, whereas 69% underestimates the number of victims of communism. That is why, despite of over 100 million victims, many misidentify communism as a just and peaceful idea. So ladies and gentlemen, back to this. So <clears throat> even though 44% of America's youth say we want to live under socialism, 7% communism, goes on to say that 69% of those same people misidentified socialism. Or I'm sorry, 66 misidentify uh, socialism, 69% communism. And they don't understand the people that were questioned, these young people. See, they're, they're taught it from a very askew, twisted, perverted kind of way and not the truth. That's the failure of our modern educational system in America. And, and so they have not been taught and it hasn't been driven home to them that communism is res responsible for over a hundred million victims. A hundred million victims. In my last podcast, I did the math based upon the article that I had read to you, and I came up with just a little over 105 million. So this says over 100 million. I came up with over 105 million. So I was in the ballpark. This is in the ballpark. Nonetheless, nonetheless, 100 million victims of communism is 100 million too much, 100 million too many. And our young people don't understand this or I would hate to think that they just don't care, that they, they know these numbers and they know this is what's happened, but they want to try it anyways. This is, uh, it just blows my mind. The failure of our educational system has led to this. Anyways, let me get back to this because this is coming from somebody who lived under this. Then there's the, is the practice of communism posing, if anything, an even greater danger. Just as the far right movements rebranded themselves to the more pleasant sounding alt-right, communism left the idea ideological part with its few misguided supporters shed the pejorative moniker and went on applying the methods of oppression. So what he's pointing out here, ladies and gentlemen, 
These are some big words I'm trying to pronounce. I haven't had to do that in a long time. Anyways, communism, even though it tried to clean up its image a little bit, still, still went on applying the methods of op- opposition or oppression, I'm sorry, oppression, that it um, always has used. And it's always been about. Let me go on. The KGB officer currently ruling Russia with an iron fist realized that the shortcomings of a Soviet-style communism, but with the help of his ideologue, Alexander Duggan, established a seemingly new political way that draws from all previous systems. The truth is that Putin still parades the army in Soviet uniforms for the anniversary of victory in World War II. Just like his Soviet predecessors, Putin set up a close group which rules the country by owning the economy, the news, and politics. And just as all communists before him, he spreads collectivism, hatred, violence, and prosecutes those who would bring individualism, liberty, rule of law, and free markets. This cronyism, illiberalism, and populism has already spread throughout Europe and to both Americas, and yet... We are too slow to react. Putin's virtual and physical networks successfully poisoned the society to such an extent that the Russian strongmen can manipulate the news, spread discord, and puppeteer politicians and businessmen. Both theory, that is, the ideas of communism and socialism, or at least the misunderstood, misidentified ideas and practice of a communist regime, which are the means of acquiring and retaining power, are still very much present in our world. Somewhere deep beneath the colorful leaves of many years, the gray cracked concrete is slow to decay. We must act lest it surfaces again. Only by feeling the word communism with its terrible meaning and giving the proper name to its methods can we be sure we won't be caught off guard. And again, that was from Mate. I believe that's how you pronounce his word. Mate Hajba is the, and he's the director of the Free Market Foundation and vice president of Civic Platform. And again, that was from, and I'll put this in the um, description area of this particular episode, but from AustrianCenter.com. <clears throat> so, ladies and gentlemen, I I believe he said it uh, very very well in in just a very short little article. He he lived it. He grew up in it, and uh, and he's starting, or not starting, he's been seeing how communism still, at least ideologically, is still alive and well in many places. And it's creeping, as he said, in, into both Americas. That's um, North America, South America. And we're seeing that right now. We're seeing that. We saw that with Venezuela. We certainly saw it with Cuba and still see it with Cuba and Venezuela. We're still seeing it with North Korea. We're seeing it with China. And um, so... Uh, when you see all these failed states and misery, you see what communism, they, they talk about spreading the wealth, but what they do is spread misery. I mean, that, that that's really what communism, socialism is all about. Shared misery. And I don't know about you. I don't want to share anybody else's misery. I have enough of my own. And that's just the truth. I have to get up. I have to work. I have to sweat. I have to do things. I have to figure out how to make life work. Do you think I need to do that for anybody else? No, let them figure it out. And I'm not trying to be cold-hearted. We can work together to make a greater society. But it's got to be by our choice, not being forced to do it by the government. See, I don't understand why anybody, any sane person, any sane person with three brain cells or more that actually work would even desire on any level socialism or communism or liberalism or any other ism for that matter 
that, that works along those lines. It's just beyond me, ladies and gentlemen, completely beyond me. Now, I want to get into this other one, and this is a little bit longer, but it's I'll just try to read through it because it's very much self-explanatory. And, it, and again, I'll put the... Um, link in the uh, comment section there so you can you can uh, read these for yourself but here's what it says <laughs> the title of this caught my attention it was kind of funny it says 10 reasons why communism sucks <laughs> that's what what it says and it says by flame horse now i don't know who flame horse is that's just what it says and it also says fact checked by matt Hayes. So this has been fact checked. I don't think Matt Hayes works for Facebook as a fact checker, okay? Because then um, he really didn't do his job fact checking this. So it tells me that Matt Hayes is actually good at what he does and he's not biased by Zuck, you know? And although it doesn't have a date uh, necessarily uh, in this or on this in, in up top, in the actual uh web address it does say 2013 slash 01 slash 17 so i'm assuming that this was january 17th 2013 that's my assumption based upon what i could see there but nonetheless let me read this remember 10 reasons why communism sucks says recently we saw a list called 10 top or top 10 reasons why capitalism sucks consider this and list an antidote to that one. The entries in the list are not necessarily replies to the early one. It's meant to stand alone. So without further ado, here are 10 reasons why communism sucks. And we're going to start at number 10. 10. It doesn't value creativity. And this is true, ladies and gentlemen. You go into the old school communist uh, nations, like where, where they built buildings and such, in communist Russia, and you can still find them. They're literally just concrete blocks like big square concrete blocks no color no excitement uh no creativity really kind of ugly anyways let me go on it does not value creativity the average person as george carlin once observed is not particularly good at anything the perfect job for such a person is on the assembly line but regardless of the governments under which we live we all have different aspirations Some people are perfectly happy sweeping floors, but most of us, justly, want more out of life. Not only money, but fame, glory, and a sense of accomplishment. All of these require at least some creative thought. You may want to be a poet or a painter, but these jobs certainly don't pay the bills, and communism views them as unnecessary and ridiculous. All that matters is building a super powerful nation and one of the first obstacles that must be removed is what Jefferson called the pursuit of happiness. So one of our founding fathers said and penned that phrase, the pursuit of happiness. That's what we are granted and allowed. Okay, That's our God-given right to pursue happiness. And under communism, that is stripped away. It has to be, okay? Because your pursuit of happiness, if it doesn't if it doesn't benefit the communist regime, you must be put down. And a hundred million people were put down, and many of them because of that reason right there. Anyways, number nine, forced collect collectivization. <clears throat> the most notorious example of forced collectivization is the land reform carried out by Soviets between nineteen twenty eight and nineteen thirty three. 
It was thought that collectivization would maximize the use and potential of the countryside for urban and industrial needs. Russian industry was just taking off and enormous quantities of food would be required for the workers. Masses of resisting landowners, many of them small-scale farmers who worked their own land, died at the hands of executioners. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? This is what happens every time under communism when they come for your land. People stand up and they defend their land and say, no, this is my land, not your land. This is mine. It's been in my family. I work this land. And the government just comes by with executioners. Bam! Oh, well, he's dead. Let's take the land. Anyways, let me uh, continue with this. The state's requisition of crops, livestock, and farmland was paid for by the farmers and by the lower class in general, some 10 million of whom starved to death in five years. So in Russia, communist Russia, when they started taking the land, because they promised everybody this is going to be good for everybody, 10 million people starved in five years. That's what happens when you take land from the farmers who know how to work the land and have been working the land. Exactly the same atrocity took place in communist China between 1958 and 1961. During this time, private farming was outlawed as it had been in Stalin's Russia, and about 33 million people starved to death in possibly the single most destructive famine in human history. So, so far what I see here, we got 10 million in Russia, 33 million in China, about 30-ish years later. So what are we up to? 43 million people dying because of starvation, all caused by this wonderful idea called communism. So communism starved out 43 million people in just two countries, Russia and China. So I want to ask you again, ladies and gentlemen, does that sound like something you want? Okay, number eight, you have no rights. Several of these entries are related and the absence of citizens' rights is at the heart of more than one. In keeping with the last entry, Marx advocated 10 rules in his Communist Manifesto for the forced, again, forced redistribution of all land and property for the good of the national community. This is theft from the citizens' point of view. They are forced to join the new communist government whether they like it or not. This, of course, must be done with a might is right frame of mind. Lots of men with guns show up and take everything you have for the glory of the motherland, as the Soviets might have said. Number seven, reduced incentives to work hard. Incentives, I'm sorry, incentives. Reduced incentives to root to work hard. Incentives, such as higher pay for doctors, are necessary to give people the energy they need to work hard for a difficult job. When there are no extra incentives available, such as in a communist state, where all reap an equal share in what some have worked harder to sow, the people in difficult jobs quickly lose their motivation. For example, workers would stop caring about how thoroughly they inspect the cars on the assembly lines, since it makes no difference to them either way. They are also likely to grow bitter at the government for failing to give them recognition when they do a good job. Revolts become a distinct liability. Many a communist state has fallen because of the problem of reduced incentives. And and we know this from history, even here in the United States. Uh, and, and again, ladies and gentlemen, 
Some years ago, there was a car sold in the United States and probably worldwide, but in the United States, by, and it went by the name of Yugo, U, uh, Y-U-G-O, Yugo, and it came from Yugoslavia. And I believe it was still, it was produced and made, I believe, I could be wrong on this, while they were still under or part of um, Soviet Russia, but nonetheless, um, it was one of the worst built cars ever. And it was sold in America at a very low cost because it was you know, supposedly from this communist, they were trying to prove, you know, just how good, you know, communism is. And look at this wonderful car that we can sell so cheap. But the thing was so horribly built that it would literally fall apart. You know, I mean, literally fall apart. They were junk on wheels. And what they're said right here by reduced incentives to work hard. And they even use this example. I find it funny that they're using this example about people inspecting cars on the assembly line. They don't even care. That was the Yugo. So please, again, Y-U-G-O. Just Google that. Do a little research on the Yugo and how poorly it was built, when it was built, by whom it was built. And you'll begin to see some of the problems of communism that was even sent here. And then now people again, oh, we want communism. 40, what was it? You know, all these young people want socialism slash communism because they think it's better than capitalism. Yet our cars don't literally fall apart in your hand or fall apart in your driveway when nobody's even driving them. But communist cars did. Let me go on. Number six, militant opposition to imperialism. It doesn't take much to bring the fury of the communist state upon you. In fact, it takes nothing more than simply existing in a capitalist state. The Communist Manifesto advocates the replacement of all governments by communist governments. This has also uh, almost always been put into effect internally. The Russian monarchy was overthrown, as were the Republic of China and the Cuban democracy. But the threat is not merely internal. The U.S. needs not fear a Cuban invasion, but China is indeed a force to be reckoned with. It controls the second largest portion of American debt, and though that only amounts to about 8%, the number is rising. Should they ever call in America's entire debt to them at once, America's already depressed economy would be greatly harmed. Number five, indifference towards the environment. And this is a good one, ladies and gentlemen, because even though, like I said, those communists and those communist-minded people are all in the environmental movement right now, they don't care about the environment. It has nothing to do with the environment on that level. It has everything to do with control because they're communists. And they're just using the smoke and mirrors of environmentalism, climate change, and all of that to hide what they're really about, what they're really doing, and that's to control you and me. That's what communism is all about. So indifference towards the environment. Again, number five, a communist state will make up for its inefficient economy by doing whatever is necessary to produce crops and water. In the 1960s, the Soviet communist regime diverted two important rivers for irrigation, The Aral Sea, which those rivers fed, has now shrunk to as little as 10% of its original size. It used to be the fourth largest lake in the world. The lesson? Rather than letting the efficiency of capitalism into the economic model, the Soviet government chose to extract everything it could from the environment without caring one bit about the health of that environment. And ladies and gentlemen, I do want to stop there for just a minute again. I looked uh, at... um, was it Google Maps? I believe it was Google Maps on the satellite kind of image. And I found 
this uh, lake or this sea, and they aren't kidding. You can clearly see it. You can clearly see it in the modern times how the water level, where it used to be, how big this uh, lake or sea used to be, and how tiny it is right now. That's what communism does, because communism doesn't really care. It says it cares, but then when it comes right down to it and they gain the control, all that caring, all that compassion is out the window because they got the control that they want. They don't care. And when um, Soviet Russia was building nukes to try to scare us here in the West, they had a lot of uh, nuclear waste that they were literally dumping. And you can Google this and check this out. Please forgive me. I forgot the name of the lake and forgot the name of the area, but it would be easy to find out. They were dumping all this nuclear waste and all this toxic waste into the environment, into this lake, into a stream. And it's so absolutely toxic toxic from all that all that time way back there that is still toxic today. So toxic is it that they can't even let anybody to go in there, uh, researchers and such. And what they're they are trying to do, and I believe they've maybe they've succeeded or they're still trying to do it, is just basically fill that whole lake and that whole area up with concrete to basically just cover it up because it's such an environmental disaster of nuclear waste and toxic waste. Again, all because of communism. They don't care. Communists don't care about people. All they care about is their power. They care about the quote-unquote the state. That means they care about power. You, you have to understand this, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, let me, let me get on with this. Number four, the economic calculation problem. The relative success of the free market economy is a real-world refuta- refutation of Marxist economics. The latter never has sufficient information on the market prices of commodities and therefore cannot properly ration the distribution of a nation's resources. The only reasonable criticism of the free market economy is the presence of monopolies, which can raise the price of their products with little fear of reprisal. But monopolies are just like the central control of a communist government, exercises on its whole economy. A true free market ensures that there are checks and balances on the price of goods and services. So ladies and gentlemen, let me, let me again, I just wanna make mention on this. So in a free market economy, that basically would be capitalism, free market economy, capitalism, The really the only fear there is monopolies, meaning like, let's say automobiles, okay? There's only one automaker in a given, say, nation, like say in America, let's say Chevrolet was the only automaker. Well, they can charge anything they wanted for their vehicles because we're stuck with it. Where, what choice do we have? But the fact that there's Dodge, there's Ford, there's Toyota, there's there's uh, Nissan, there's Hyundai, there's there's Kia, to- uh, did I say Toyota? Yeah, Honda, whatever. They're all uh, they 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 they're com- they're cause some competition so and they all know it so they just can't charge anything that they want they have to make their uh their product their vehicles competitive because if i can go say buy a toyota for say thirty thousand dollars but ford wants to charge forty thousand for a comparable vehicle well then toyota is going to get all the all the business so ford has to figure out a way to sell their comparable car about the same price as toyota hopefully even a little bit cheaper so more people are drawn to the Ford. And that's the way it works. But you see, under communism, the communist or the state is the only monopoly. I mean, they, they, they monopolize everything. They're only one. 
They monopolize everything because they own everything. So they can do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it, and however they want to do it. And again, they don't care about the people. They only care about their power. Hence the reason why they own everything. So it is not a good system on any level, ladies and gentlemen. Number three, the class struggles going nowhere. Marx founded communist philosophy on the principle that class struggles have been by far the primary cause of all strife, wars, economic woes, and regime collapses. There are popularly thought to be three major classes of people, the upper, the middle, and the lower. The upper class has most of the wealth, the lower class the least, and the middle class plays the peacemaker between them, maintaining the hope and sanity of the lower class. Without the middle class, heads are chopped. Communism itself does not erase class struggle, as it proclaims, but keeps it going. It does this because it is a government. There must be a group of people in charge, and it's likely that this group enjoys its power. By maintaining their power, the leaders of a communist state separate the population into at least two classes, themselves as the upper class and preferably everyone else in the lower class. Communist states have generally not featured a middle class, and its absence allowed for the Russian revolutions of 1905 and 1917, the Chinese of 1949, the Cuban of 1953 through 1959, and a host of others. All of these revolutions ended with the rise of communist state, and all of them were the ruin of their respective nations, because the communists themselves became the very same brand of elitist upper class they had deposed. So the communist leaders, the communist state, they became the elite class, the wealthy, the upper class. They eradicated the middle class and pushed everybody into the lower class. And the lower class answers to and works for the upper class. Thus, they have created a system that looks completely opposite to what they claim they're going to do for people. Like I said, socialism, communism, Marxism, Leninism, all those other isms like that, they don't share wealth equally. They share misery equally, except for the people at the top. That small select group of people that are in charge. And they're the ones that are in charge of the army, are in charge of the police, are in charge of all the guns. (laughs) Interesting enough. Number two, mass murders. This is, uh, again, number two, the second reason why communism sucks. It says, communist rule may be directly blamed for the deaths of at least 85 million people in the 20th century. Stalin alone murdered about 20 million, although other estimates range from 53 million to 80 million. In 1975, the Khmer Rouge seized power in Cambodia. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly, Khmer Rouge seized power in Cambodia and set out to establish a communist utopia. They immediately committed genocide on their own people. At least two million were executed by brutally primitive methods in keeping with the Khmer Rouge anti-technology stance. Many of the victims were murdered merely for wearing glasses. Intelligence was deemed a direct and serious threat to the Khmer Rouge. And let's not forget Chairman Mao. He may not have been as evil as Stalin, but he was the very definition of indifference towards humanity. His great leap forward caused the deaths by starvation of 45 million Chinese citizens. 
So again, so far we have this great, uh, you know, this great standard, this great, oh, look at this great picture of communism. This is wonderful. No, ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, using the terms of the title, communism sucks. Now, the number one reason why communism sucks says this, Karl Marx was wrong to begin with. You know, it's funny, I don't even need to read the rest of this to know that, and you shouldn't either. But let's read it. Marx, Marx's doctrine is fraught with faulty logic, loopholes, and unsolved problems. His idea of economics is based on the labor theory of value, which asserts that a car, for example, should cost more than a TV because more labor is needed to produce it. But this is an oversimplification of the market. Sam's Choice Cola tastes almost identical to Coca-Cola, but costs half as much. The labor is the same but people are happy to pay twice as much for the only difference, the brand name. The same holds true with medicine. In the same way, tennis shoes can cost over $200 in the U.S., despite being made in China or Taiwan for only 3 to $10. Why do they cost so much? Because the industries that own them sell them based on how highly they are in demand by the public. That's why they have athletes endorse their products, to make them more desirable to the athletes' fans. This is expressly why Marxist communism has caused the utter collapse of so many national economies. It thinks in broad strokes and fails to tell one subtlety from another. This, first and foremost, is because communism is not grounded in reality. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of that article. Um, And again, the article itself is self-explanatory. Please read both of them. I'm going to put the lists up there and you can click on them and go to them. But again, why is communism being taught in our schools? Why are we allowing this? I mean, as a good thing. Thank you, Governor DeSantis of Florida, Republican of Florida, for um, teaching the evils of communists to our school children because now they're going to be less likely to fall for the lie of, of this communist paradise or the paradise that communism can create for people where everybody is happy, everybody's doing the exact job that they want to, everybody's getting paid a great wage, you can just graduate from high school, maybe do some trade school and go right into the career that you want making what 80, 90, 100,000 dollars, but you don't who cares because the car is provided for you, the house is provided for you, the food is provided for you and you basically just have to show up every day, you don't even have to work that hard because why you're all communists and you all work together for the common good and it just sounds like utopia and what is it it's full of lies it's full of holes it's full full of deceit and we know this because upwards of 105 million people died as a direct result of communism many of those people many of those people died by such things as starvation because when the government took control of the farmlands there wasn't any food to feed the very people that they took the farmlands from and i honestly believe that the communist governments did that on purpose to get rid of those farmers and those former landowners so they wouldn't form a a group a militia, and come and fight against them. Let's just kill them off and get rid of them so we never have to worry about them again. (sighs) And that's communism, ladies and gentlemen. And that's really socialism. A lot of people say, well, no, there's a big difference between socialism and communism. Not really. The ideologies are are pretty much the same. It's just how they work it out. And socialism always leads to communism. Always. 
It's the progression. Liberalism leads to socialism. Socialism leads to communism. And communism leads to the death of many, many, many people and ultimately the nation. But capitalism and a republic with capitalism works for everybody that's willing to work. That's just the way it works. That's, that's the truth. It works because it gives you, the, the individual, you, the family, you, the businessman, you, the creative mind, the ability to create a life for yourself and a good life because all the resources are there. So I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but the whole idea of communism, especially on American soil, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, Ron DeSantis, thank you very much for what you're doing. And I do honestly appreciate it, but it should be taught in absolutely every school, private and especially public. Our tax dollars should be going to telling the truth about the wicked, evil practices of communism. But at the same time, you know what? Anybody that teaches communism in a positive light here in the United States should be seen as an enemy of the state, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I believe in freedom of speech, but I also believe in truth. And communism is destructive. It's actually, it's destructive. And to me, the spread of communism and the ideas of communism are very close to being uh, act of terrorism, seeking to destroy this country from the inside. So that's domestic terrorism. Now, should we go as far as to make it illegal? I don't know, because I still believe in freedom of speech very much. Because if it's a free society, we should be able to say what we not want to say and speak about what we want to speak about. But I'm telling you, it's dangerously close, the spread of communism, the teaching of communism in a positive light, as if it's a good thing, to me is dangerously close to um, domestic terrorism. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think? Please write me. Write me. Send me some letters. GWCCRobert at gmail.com. Send me some letters and tell me what you think. I'll, I'll say that again. GWCCRobert at gmail.com. As a matter of fact, I'll put my um, email address in the um, descriptions with the links to the articles. And you can write me. Please write me uh, and tell me what you think about communism, about what we should do with communism. And also, if you do write me, put in there whether or not you give me permission to read those letters on the air. Just just put them in, the, you know, maybe at the bottom. I give you permission uh, to read these on the air, uh, just so I know. And if you don't, say, I do not. Make sure you put, do not give you permission to read these on the air. And that's fine, too. I just want to know what you think. And if you give me ability, I'll put them out on the air. We'll talk about it, okay? So think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Read the articles, do a little bit more research, and find out the truth about the evils, the evils of communism. Thank you again for joining us at Table Flippers. Please check out our merchandise. We have hats, hoodies, water bottles, all kinds of cool things. You can find all of the, our merchandise at tableflippers.com. That's tableflippers.com. And please write me. Please let me know how I'm doing. Write me at GWCCRobert. That's one word, GWCCRobert at gmail.com. Give me the good letters. Give me the bad letters. Tell me the great things I'm doing. Tell me the bad things I'm doing. I want to hear it all. Have a great day.